What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast with me, Tom Davis, America's canine educator, the podcast where we love, live, and, of course, work with dogs. Thank you so much for listening to me, listening listening to me here today, wherever you are, whatever you might be doing. I appreciate your valuable time. So today I want to talk about a subject that I've been frequently talking about with my online clients specifically, uh, and sometimes my, my clients that, are, uh, that I work with at the facility, and that is going against nature. And so I recently put up a video with a German Shepherd, uh, which one, you know, that's not very specific considering I put up like two a week, and, but anyway, so um, another German Shepherd video, and it's, it's, it's with a black German Shepherd named Pepper, and I uploaded that video yesterday, and today is December 16th, so December 15th would have been the upload if you wanted to watch this video I'm talking about. Um, and I find that a lot of people, especially dog owners, try to go against nature too hard. Meaning, um, I just like I said, I just had this um, online session with this couple in New York City, and we were talking about this, and I referred them to this episode or this, I'm sorry, this video that I was, that I just did yesterday. And so my point is this, is if you have a dog that's reactive, let's say barking at the door, barking at the window, barking on the leash, barking at people when they come to the door, etc. I try to tell people that instead of trying to go against nature to take that away and taking that, that natural suspicion or that innate guardianship type behavior, no matter the breed, I think it's easier to counter condition, and I know a lot of people don't like this word, but manage the situation instead of actually trying to t- trying to remove that innate uh, behavior. And really quickly, I say manage, people don't like that. A lot of trainers do just because if anybody was wondering why do why do people not like manage? Um, I find that a lot of trainers get really I've seen trainers become frustrated with the word management because I think some people think it's it's a band-aid or it's it's not fixing the problem, but I don't necessarily agree with that. And I think management is really key for a lot of different 
things, not just with dogs. I mean, management across the board with everything that we deal with as humans that we can't really go in and fix. We have to manage like the weather or uh, crime or a bunch of other things that we really, it's going to happen. And so I think management is just a good word to use. So anyway, that's my little side note on, on management, but it really is about management and counter conditioning with obedience. And I want to talk about that a little bit because I, like I said before, I think people just go too hard against nature and they try to take away a behavior that a dog naturally does. And what I try to tell people is understand that behavior uh, and then on some levels even appreciate that behavior because it's something you're not able to do sometimes, meaning you smell something, you hear something. Dog's senses are obviously far better than ours. And so a lot of times I, I actually appreciate what a dog can do versus what I can do or what I can sense as a human being. So, And it also is very frustrating for dog owners because they're trying to go against nature. And I'm going to say that probably a hundred more times, but it's just not something you want to try to do. If you have another route other than doing that, then you need to work and focus on that. And in many cases with dog owners, that's something that is really applicable because same thing when you put a dog on a leash. Now I, I talk a lot about dog reactivity and I have a lot of cases with dog reactivity and working with dogs who are specifically reactive on the leash. And and again, going back to this this video I just did yesterday with the black German Shepherd Pepper, this is a particular dog that actually goes to daycare. But if you were to see the video, you would be like, yeah, right, because the dog is so reactive on the leash to dogs that are in crates, dogs that are on leashes, dogs that are not on... I mean, every anything that that is an animal and this dog is on a leash, she reacts to. So anyway dogs on leashes become very reactive because it goes against mother nature. It goes against, it goes against that that innate ability to say, hey, there's another animal I don't know. I'm going to go and uh, approach that animal. And I, and I first started learning this concept and this idea through Tyler Muto um, at a Buffalo. And Tyler and I have worked collaboratively on different things. He's also the president of the ISCP. Great dude. Um, and I And I watched one of his videos many years ago about how leash reactivity is is very um, it could become very con- conflicty I guess for dogs and we as humans don't see it like that we see it as there's a dog down the road that we may know or we can visually see that it's friendly because it's you know showing us signs of a lot of behavior of being a friendly dog anyway or if it's a puppy or whatever and dogs that are tethered up on a leash tend to become more reactive and I've and I've dug myself deeper into this hole of trying to find out, you know, more of why this is happening and why this makes dogs tick. And it all kind of sprung from, I really do believe that Tyler was on to something when he talked about, um, a dog being reactive on the leash is a, is a very natural thing because they want to immediately go approach that dog. It's much like if you were to have wolves and coyotes, um, or really actually any animal, but specifically animals that are very territorial, um, with their females or with their pack or what have you, if they see another animal, they investigate a lot of times. They, unless it's you know an animal that actually flees and runs away, then obviously that's not the case. But so anyway, so when you have an animal on a leash, it it is a very conflicted thing that you're asking them to do, especially if you're in um, like a neighborhood where there's a lot of that going on, where um, a dog sees another dog and they say, hey, I got to go check this out, and we say, hey, you can't. 
So a lot of times when we when we have a I'm doing air quotes a, a reactive dog more times than not what you're actually seeing is a manifest manifestation wow manifestation <laughs> of frustration and because we are holding those dogs back with leather or nylon or whatever a rope and the dog is actively saying like hey I got to go check this out it creates that frustration which then goes into um, a reactivity or a bark or a whine or habitual barking and whining or both. And so I want to highlight that first and foremost, that when you have that, again, innate ability to say, hey, I'm going to go and check this out and we pull them back, it does create frustration and it does create some, t- some sort of vulnerability for some dogs as well. And there's so many different shades of of that and and that is the really hard thing about dog training um, that I I try to highlight as much as I possibly can that what I'm talking about isn't a matter of fact and isn't a binary and isn't the best and the most and the greatest in the correct way across the board meaning this is a situation that could be so red in different lenses you know so this uh, this isn't always applicable but for the majority of times this is normally what i see and what what is actually happening so just take this with a grain of salt meaning like don't apply this to your dog at home because they're demonstrating similar things but more times than not it's probably around the same area of what you want to try to focus on or what, or what you're trying to figure out. So, but anyway, so when a dog does build that frustration, I mean, there, there's other things that can come from that too, such as excitement, like a dog just pulling up to their favorite dog park or their favorite house or their favorite daycare or whatever. You get a dog on a leash and they just get excited. So they're wearing that excitement through vocalization and pulling and reacting. And especially if you get like a German shepherd, I mean, that they, if they're happy, they bark. If they're sad, they bark. If they're mad or whatever, they bark. So when you get a very vocal dog, um, it also creates just more of what it looks like to be reactivity. But more times than not, it's actual frustration. But when we're talking about telling people on the internet or when I explain people certain things such as dog reactivity, I can't put on my video dog frustration because half <laughs> – way more than half, 95% of the people that are out there are going to think that their dog is aggressive. And sometimes that backfires on me because I'll put a video out that says, okay, what is this going to look like for my people that are watching this video, which are you guys, you guys that are wanting to learn more, whether you're a trainer or you're a dog owner or what have you, you're going to then assume that what they're seeing is dog aggression. So I'll put a video up with a dog such as what I just did here with my last video with the black German Shepherd and put leash aggression. And some, and like I said, sometimes this come, this comes back to bite me in the butt. Um, and I kind of have to just, you know, just deal with it because <laughs> it's true. Um, but some people will say, this isn't, this isn't dog aggression aggression. I'm like, yeah, I, I know that. Like I, I realize that, but you got to understand that the people I'm trying to help and the people I'm trying to reach are going to think it is. So when I put a video out that says like dog aggression or aggressive German shepherd, it's not because I'm trying to fool or try to like manipulate what I'm actually presenting. It's just because I know that the people that are actually going to be searching, like if you have a German shepherd that's reactive on a leash, that pet owner isn't going to say, you know, this is probably a stem 
from a, a natural innate like desire of just being frustrated on a leash because they're overly stimulated from the presence of another animal with environmental changes and stuff like, like I can't like they're not going to search that they're going to say my dog looks sounds and acts aggressive on the leash so I'm going to search aggressive dog on the leash so uh, in this particular video it's leash aggression German Shepherd my dog barks at other dogs only on leash so that's one side note I will throw out there that I do sometimes get, I don't know, uh, guff from other professionals, um, and particularly like when people are trying to think that I'm trying to trick people into clicking stuff on my YouTube, and I'm I'm just not. It's just what my clients or my potential market reach are gonna actually search because it does look aggressive, and they don't really know. And when I break it down in the video, I I thoroughly go over this dog isn't aggressive, and I make that really clear because. Some people who are dealing with similar issues are literally debating on getting rid of their dog and possibly even euthanizing their dog because of these simple, very um, natural, uh, innate behaviors like frustration on the leash coming out and looking aggress aggressive. So anyway, that's my little rabbit hole. But, um, but so going back to the original thing of going against nature, I, I suggest people and my clients, um, I'm starting to get into more of again, managing the situation and trying not to go against nature and using obedience to stop some of these things and help a lot of these different things. I'll give you an example of what that means to me. So I have a Dutch Shepherd, Lakota. Some of you have, have may have seen her on my Instagram or on my YouTube. And if you don't follow me on Instagram, it's just at Tom Davis. You can see her now if you go there. Um, she She's a Dutch Shepherd, so she's young and she's a Dutchie. So she's super, she's like a Malinois. I mean, she's a Dutchie ex, which means she's like, a lot of stateside Malinois or even Dutchies are basically the same thing, unless they're completely imported and you have a whole pedigree of Dutch lines or whatever, um, from my understanding, because even her her lines and her litter through Malinois. So, I mean, she's basically just a black Malinois. <laughs> but anyway, so you can get a picture of how wiring, like, um, stimulated by and very thought pro, very thought oriented. Like she try, we call her ratatouille when we cook, because she literally will sit behind me and and wiggle her head and watch me do everything, and we always just joke around that she's uh she's actually developing her own cookbook and just does the stuff on the side when I'm away. But anyway, so she's a very excitable dog that gets overly stimulated with very minimal things to get stimulated by like somebody just looking at her and getting excited to see her she gets crazy um so i'm not going to try to take that out of her because i'm going to drive myself crazy and i think that that's what a lot of dog owners do across the board is they see a very natural behavior such as that which a lot of people deal with and they get really frustrated and i think let down because they have unrealistic expectations going against nature. So I try to tell people, listen, don't try to take that out of her or them or it or who, he. <laughs> it's like telling a fish not to swim. They 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 have these they have these things. Same thing like when somebody knocks on the door and a dog freaks out and barks. I don't think it's necessarily a good thing to take try to try to focus on I'm going to try to get my dog to not care about the door. I think that that's going to be not productive. And I think you're going to have much harder time to try to do something like that versus literally just counter conditioning it, which means if a dog barks at the door, you go, okay, somebody's here. I'm actually expecting somebody. So you can go to your place and you can lay down. And then the dog goes and follows suits. 
Um, you know, and then because again, it, it, it kind of works with you when your girlfriend, your wife, your boyfriend, your fiance, whatever, your significant other, your kids, your mom, your dad, whoever is home alone and somebody knocks on the door or they hear something on the house trying to get in or trying to mess around with your mailbox or just kids, you know, whatever. Um, I think that it's, it's a, it's nice to have that semi like protection and I say semi because it's like a bark is not really protection, but actually it, it deters a lot of different things away, including it's just so much stuff. I mean, I'm not trying to be like like talking like criminal stuff, but just stuff like that um, or, or criminal stuff, you know, just depending on what's going on. But um, so anyway, so my point is, is I try not to say like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to train your dog and correct your dog to not care about the door or to never bark. I mean, I just don't think that that's a route that most dog owners should try to take because like I said before, A, it's going against nature. B, you're going to have to be as consistent as a mother effort to try to do something like that. And then C, it's going to take a lot of skill. So the majority of things that I would do, I wouldn't recommend to some people because they don't have the skill sets to do that. And that's not saying, oh, I'm just saying if you've been doing something every day for 10, 11, 12 years, you're probably, you should, you should anyway, be better at it than most people. So it's not just to say that I'm good. I'm just to say like, that's what I do for a living. So I wouldn't suggest some of the stuff that I, that's why we have YouTube. That's why I can go up and say, how do I change a lock without, you know, being a key person or something? Anyway, you get the idea. Um, so moving forward, moving on. I try to explain this to as many people as I can because I think that that expectation is so unrealistic and so unfair to not only them, but to their um, to their dog. I think it's just it's just not it's not realistic. And so anyway, so try to try to counter condition these types of things. Again, if your dog is habitually barking um, in the car at somebody, work on your leave it. Don't work on. I'm going to make my dog or I'm going to try to make my dog and I'm going to try to modify my dog's behavior to not want to bark or not to bark at other people. I just think that that's just wasting your time and it's not going to be that realistic. And it's just, it's just frustrating. I would just suggest trying to work on like a hard leave it, which then goes into my other thing just with uh, transferring to like basic obedience, not necessarily behavior modification stuff, um, but they kind of commingle. So if you have a dog that's reactive on the leash, but your obedience is trash then you don't have a pot to piss in, per se. And this happens, I would say, nine times out of ten with the dogs that I work with, especially with my online clients. Um, it, it seems more, because I think I ask different questions when I'm just talking to somebody about their dog, but it is very beneficial. I find that giving people advice and talking them through their, their specific dog issues is really beneficial um, to the majority of people that I work with from all over the world. And you guys can actually do that um, on my website, americascanineeducator.com. There's a little online tab. You guys can work with me face-to-face via Skype or FaceTime. Um, but anyway, so we, we do work on these things, and I think more than not... It's, it's usually my dog has an issue and I just ask people like, why not? Why doesn't your dog have an issue? Your dog barks at other dogs, but what, what does your dog know? What are, you te- what are you teaching and what are you telling your dog to do that's going to help um, squash that, if you will? Uh, like if your dog doesn't come back to you, for an example, not even like a behavioral thing, just an obedience thing. 
if your dog has a bad recall, well, you can't really get frustrated for your dog not coming back if you haven't practiced recall, right? I mean, if your dog doesn't specifically know when you say Fido come, they're like, oh, I've practiced that a hundred times last week. I know what that means then you can't really expect them to just know what come means. I mean, you can expect them to maybe do recognition with their name, you know, that you said, hey, Fido, and they're like, yeah, that's me. Um, you know, <laughs> that that's something that you can expect. But to actually do like Fido come, that come command or here is something that you have to work on. And it's the same thing when you're out with your dog on the leash. If you have your dog on a leash and you haven't taught them like a traditional heel or just like a very structured heel of like, this is what I want you to do. Don't not do it because you're going to get punished. And I think a lot of people go out and they get dragged around by their dog, which then creates a really sloppy relationship because it all starts on the leash with your relationship with your dog of understanding basic principles of leash pressure and, hey, this is good, this is bad, escape training type stuff. And I find that everyone does that. They put their dog on a leash and they get dragged around. And of course, I'm looking like Big Brother's watching. And I'm like, why wouldn't they? And that's something I ask people all the time. And they don't, they don't really know how to respond. And if they do, it's usually, well, because I don't want to get dragged around. Or it's rude. Or I don't like them barking. I don't like them pulling. I don't like them jumping. Whatever. There's always like, I don't want them to. But they, as the dog have not practiced that picture. They've never practiced that. They don't know what no jump or off or heel or come means. You have to practice those things in order to capture these behaviors to have your dog actually do them in reality. And I find that everyone goes against that problem. And it's so simple. It's so, so, so simple. And if I can say anything about what I do, whether you like me, don't like me, believe in me or don't or whatever, I can, I can say that I think most of the information I provide is digestible. And it's, it's that it's meaning it's simple to understand what I'm saying of why won't your dog not do that? Why would your dog do anything else? If you don't want your dog to pull, then you got to teach them what that actually means. You can't just put a correction collar on them and, and, punish them for doing something because it's only going to work at that moment and they're going to be conflicted. But, you know, the good thing about dogs is they don't, they're not going to take it personally to you. Um, they're going to bounce back and say, oh, well, okay, I, I don't really know what that was for, but I still love you. So anyway, um, I just think that it's important for everybody out there, you know, because I collect data every day. I think that that's what I try to do. I try to learn something every day. I try to, um, watch something new every day to, you know, just working with animals, just every single day, getting my hands on dogs and working with them and trying new things. And again, sometimes that uh, works against me because I deal with people who have very traditional thoughts and processing of this is the way to train dogs, chapter eight, chapter six, line three, verse four. And I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm, I just want to do what makes sense right now. I want to pressure the dog. I want to get data from the dog. I want to, like this video I did, um, let's see, a couple of days ago, and uh, it's a beauty about podcasting. I'm just going to dive into some other things about dog behavior and the things that I'm seeing as a professional um, because I collect a lot of freaking data, a lot of data, um, because I'm putting content out for people and I'm getting a lot of information back. We're getting emails, we're getting phone calls, we're getting comments and all that stuff. And of course, we always read between the lines, but we do get, we collect a lot of data over the years. And so anyway, um, this one video I did with this um, 
let's see, what was it? It was the uh, My Dog Goes Crazy on Leash. And it's a, if you guys haven't watched this, it's uh, it was published December 8th, and the second episode was December 13th of 2019. And if you haven't yet, you can watch those videos so you can reference to what I'm saying. Uh, I had this young, seven-month-old Australian Shepherd. And this dog's pretty sweet. Um, they were referred to me by a veterinarian. Or if you, I, I don't pronounce a lot of things. I just say things because I think I just have like, just maybe lazy speech, but veterinarian, veterinarian is, uh, is anyway. So this dog was referred to us by the vet and it was very, very, very reactive, very, uh, just spazzy. And I was like, okay, you know, and they were like, we don't know what to do. The owners don't know what to do. They were an older couple and this was a seven month old Aussie. So they brought it in and I, (laughs) and that's the thing about like, social media and I'm sure you guys deal with it too at home just with anything if you have a cooking blog or you're a trainer or anything at work like there's always somebody who just looks at things so wrong and doesn't see what you're trying to picture or paint a picture but anyway so this dog came in sweet dog I mean to the core he loves his owners he means well but he's conflicted of being insecure and being a brat so this dog doesn't want to do anything but also if you try to help them get over it they freak out because they're a brat. So it's a very it's a very tough case for, I think, the majority of people working with this case, including me. And that's why I, I did so many different things to try to get this dog out of his shell and, more importantly, just paint a picture of, hey, if this dog's afraid of this and then they get over it, we can then get them over this and then we can get them over this. We can then get them over this. So I literally just took out everything I possibly could in my facility on the second session to desensitize this dog to show uh, the owners and the people that were in the room because I usually have like students or other trainers in the room um, uh, just helping me or watching me or whatever. And um, so I just literally took everything I possibly could that I I thought would be beneficial to the dog and and had him get over it. So I, I got this stool out. He freaked out. He's like, okay, it's not so bad. I got this chair out. He freaked out. Okay, it's not so bad. And then I took this bite sleeve out which is just something I just keep around because when I work with like really aggressive dogs, I try to test their intentions. Cause like I said before, I work with so many different reactive dogs, air quotes, reactive and aggressive dogs. And if I think it's a dog that is just bluffing and I want to prove that they're bluffing, I will take the, 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 or if I just actually want to know, okay, is this dog going to bite me or not? Or is this dog going to bite one of my other trainers or not? I simply put the sleeve on and just put it in a situation that if the dog was going to bite, it would. And in this case, I just tested this dog. So I was doing two things. I was taking the bite sleeve out to test the dog just to get over that one thing, which is what I've been doing this whole session, just getting out things that don't matter and having the dog be comfortable with them after a period of time. But in this case, it was also a bite sleeve, so it was kind of universal for me. So I pivoted over to give the dog way too much pressure, meaning, and that's the thing I got was like, you're giving this dog so much pressure and, and no wonder why it's like a, fr- I'm like, I know I'm, I'm, that's what I'm, I'm doing that on purpose. I'm trying to see this dog's thresholds of the intentions behind this little bark, the seven month old puppy. And if it's doing all this stuff, I want to see if I give this dog a little bit of pressure and a little bit of defense, if this dog would actually come at me or not. And I knew that, and I even put in the video, I'm like, I'm giving unnecessary pressure to this dog. It's not going to be detrimental. I can promise you that. It's not going to be, you know, relationship damaging between us. I can promise you that. I wouldn't do that sort of thing. But I knew giving this dog pressure that it was going to 
tell me a lot of information and collect a lot of data. So the dog, I pushed the dog so much where I, I didn't push him like, I did push him to the point of uncomfortability, but it wasn't like anything that was like uncomfortable for anybody. It was like, okay, you're just pushing this dog. So I just had the leash and I put my, you know, my, put my sleeve out to see what he would do. Like if he would just grab, you know, cause you can tell a lot by a dog's bite about their intentions. You can tell if they're serious. You can tell if they're scared out of their wits. You can tell if they don't know what else to do. I mean, there's so much data you can collect from what a dog does when they're overpressured. And that's what I was doing. I was temperament testing this dog. And I think I think that bites me in the ass sometimes because when I put this content out, people just assume like this is how I train every dog. I do all this. I'm like, no, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Settle down. All I'm doing is I'm pressure testing this particular dog with inanimate objects because they need to get over these different things. So I'm just being universal. And so, yes, it's out of the box. It's not traditional. Probably nobody else has done it that they've seen. Um, I just kind of do things on the fly of what I'm like, okay, how can I help this dog? And then anyway, this particular person was trying to explain to me over and over and over again how terrified I was of this dog and how this is not the way you, I'm like, yeah, this is not the way how you traditionally train dogs. This is something you do not want to do with just a random dog. And I am definitely 150,000% not remotely, remotely afraid of this seven-month-old fear-based bratty dog at all. And so in some of the videos anyway, just going over like leash stuff and pressure and going back to what I was talking about originally is there's a lot of things that I, I do, um, that I think people are uncomfortable with because it's not traditional. They're not used to seeing it. They don't like seeing it because it's new. A lot of people have a problem with new things, and that's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to do as much new things as I possibly can to keep creating that wheel of what works and what doesn't work. And um, so anyway, so going back to leash pressure, <laughs> little side note there, going back to leash pressure and just helping. And, and then in this particular case, this dog ended up really, really nice because um, – I was able to then put everything that the dog was afraid of, including fake dogs, which he bit and barked at, myself, another stranger, and then this sleeve that he was terrified of. I put them all in like a, a threshold by the door, and he was hopping over the threshold back and forth and got a lot better, and I was petting him at the end, and it was just a really nice end to a session. But I think that there's a lot of people who, um, especially in the dog world, just do not like change. They don't want to see things they've never seen. It makes them uncomfortable. They automatically start second guessing whether they think it's wrong or right and it's like look I'm not trying to tell anybody what's wrong or right I'm trying to just help dog owners understand behavior and I'm also experimenting at the same time and five years from now I may look back at this and go wow that's so out of date I would never do that now but I'm just trying to do as much as I possibly can to keep recreating the wheel and getting creative all within staying extremely humane and empathetic towards the animals and the people that I'm working with of course that's why I, I love what I do but anyway so going back to going against nature <laughs> um I think that this happens a lot too with with just with just people um having unrealistic expectations in their environmental practice systems, which means I also find this is under the same umbrella of expectations um, of your dog. And I think that a lot of people will also work in environments that they should be trying to actually succeed in instead of fail, which means I always relate it to... um, practice versus the real game so if it's basketball soccer football whatever you're always going to practice 
to run the plays and to try to recreate this situation for the real thing before you actually play that game on Sunday or whenever it is. And literally you're practicing almost every day to try to perfect that, that game time thing. And I think dog owners, because they don't know, and this is why I'm making this podcast, is to just try to shed light on what I'm seeing and giving you guys my data, is I think that they tried to execute practice in the real game. They have no time to actually run the plays and practice what they want. They just go right into the field and say, okay, let's try, you know, I just learned how to ride a bike. Let's go Tour de France. Um, I just learned how to run a mile. Let's run 10. And they fail 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 every single time because they're not practicing in the environments that they need to be practicing in because it's not so much about the dog as much as it is about both of you or all three of you, depending on what you're dealing with. You have to work on your relationship and you have to work on yourself because I think dog owners also get very built up by certain scenarios as well. I have to remind people to breathe sometimes. I can see them just holding their breath and I'm like, hey, breathe. Oh yeah, I forgot. So I think um, the environmental changes and how you train uh, immediately dictates so much for you as a human being, uh, you know, handling an animal. And look, if a dog can predict cancer or high blood pressure on a person, they can they they know if you're upset, sad, mad, nervous, scared, frightened, happy on the leash for sure. So I just think that that's one other thing I wanted to throw into this podcast is just a lot of people are not practicing enough in an environment that is going to help them be successful. I think that they're out there practicing in those really high stressful environments. So find yourself a garage, uh, side yard, backyard, hallway, anything to master your obedience to help you counter condition, I think, really natural behaviors out in public, such as um, leash reactivity, pulling on the leash, all that stuff. Like, t- of course, you put a dog on a leash, you put, an a- you put any animal on a leash, unless it's a freaking tortoise or a sloth, the chances of them pulling you around is very high or almost 100% because they don't know anything else. That's why I'm really big on break or free, teaching a dog, okay, on, off, on, off, work, play, work, recess, etc. You get the point. And I just teach people, like, don't expect your dog to heal for six miles your whole walk. That's not fair. Heal your dog from A to B and then give them a break and then recollect your heel and then do it again. And then over time, you dictate whether or not your dog can pull you or not, and then that way you're successful. So using counter counterproductive, or I'm sorry, counter-conditioning obedience or just obedience to counter-condition any behavioral issues is important. And I think finding the space to practice is more important to make sure that you're doing this in an environment that's going to set you up for success instead of failure. Not overshooting and biting off more than you, you can chew in your practices will help you immensely. Also, just remember, do not go against Mother Nature if you don't have to. If there's another road, take it because you won't win. You will not win. It just doesn't happen. So just remember that, guys. And I hope this um, podcast was, was, was informative. I have, we are doing so many podcasts coming up in 2020. I, I will admittedly say that 2019 was an absolute just constant travel um, in and out. Um, probably the biggest year of my life as far as 
growth as an individual and as a as a business and as a brand and as an educator. And I'm very grateful for all of that because um, I continue to do what I absolutely love. And I'm very, very, very immensely grateful for that. And I appreciate you guys listening. But 2020, we have some sponsors lined up. We have some great guests lined up. Um, I'm going to be doing one at least, at least, at least once a week. Um, for you guys, and um, because I have to, because I'm under contract. <laughs> so uh, moving forward, we we are going to get back here on the podcast. We have some great guests, um, people in the industry. Um, if you guys haven't yet, you can uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just search in Upstate Canine Academy on YouTube. Bam, you got all my videos there. You can follow my business at Upstate Canine Academy on Instagram, and you can follow me personally at Tom Davis. Don't forget. What helps me, like if you guys like it, I'm doing this for free currently and I want you guys to have this information. And if, if this helps you in any way, all you have to do to help me grow and to show um, any type of feedback or show any type of support for what I'm doing here on the podcast platform, you just have to go to the um, the review page or whatever if you're on Google or on Apple or whatever on iTunes, just um, just leaving a review and telling people what you think and and uh, rating this podcast and that would mean a lot to me and then of course if you guys screenshot this while you're listening to it share it on Instagram I'll repost you I really do appreciate those as well I love everybody around the world listening to this it's 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 pretty crazy I appreciate you guys support um, so this is the No Bad Dogs podcast with me Tom Davis America's canine educator and I will talk to you guys next time peace out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.